Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. This week, I am very excited to let, to invite you to come and sit at the table with one of my personal good friends. I'm sitting here with Caroline Colley, and I have been blessed by her friendship for three years now, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I find her to be a wealth of wisdom and um, encouragement And I think you'll be very blessed today. But what we're talking about today is, for most of us, probably a tender space, which is what do we do when we're walking through really hard times? And Caroline's story is going to be of mothering through a hard time with one of her children that was a medical hard time. And so it's, that's her story. But I think for most of us, we can, the minute I say, what do you do when you're mothering in a hard space or a hard season? We all kind of automatically think of a time where it's been super hard for us. And I am praying and Caroline and I have prayed together that this time would be um, just a holy place where we can begin to understand how does God actually come through in the hard places, in the painful places, in the places where we don't think it's going to get better? Does he really, does he really visit? Does he stay with us? Like, does he apply there? That's really the question, I think. So Caroline, I'm really excited that you're here. And I want to let you tell your story first, and then we'll get to talking. Okay. Um, thank you for having me back. I'm really excited to be here. I love you and think the world of you. Um, so as Bethany said, my name is Caroline Colley and, um, a brief version of a kind of long, big story is that, um, I'm a mom to four kids and on the last day of summer, before we were about to start back school in 2019, we were at the swimming pool with our four kids. And our second eldest, a boy named Blake, was eight years old at the time. And Blake came to us with a headache. And um, at first, it just didn't seem like a big deal. But very quickly, it escalated from my head hurts to him basically clenching his head with his hands and saying, I'm going to die. And from there, we ended up rushing to the emergency room. And it turned out that Blake had um, a brain aneurysm caused by a fancy long medical term, which is abbreviated AVM. So Blake's AVM had um, was a little tangle of vessels in his brain that caused this rupture. So a bunch of blood had flooded his brain and his ventricles, and he was in a a dire situation. And um, we, he was medically lifted to the next town over and God spoke to me in, in a, in a 
powerful moment in the helicopter on the way there. And that was really the beginning of him teaching me something about perspective and about trusting him in hard things. As we were flying over my tiny town, the biggest thing in my town is Walmart. (laughs) And um, I was looking down at Walmart, you know, and uh, seeing the people and they look tiny pushing their uh, grocery carts into the Walmart. And um, I felt like the Lord was whispering to me right now, when you land, this is going to look like the biggest thing there is, but from a different perspective with time, it's not going to look this big. It's not always going to be like this. Mm. And I held on to that word and um, I was grateful for it because when we landed, it turned out that Blake was going to need to be in a medically induced coma for about 18 days. And there were points in the journey where we were told um, he might not be able to see or walk or talk when he came out of that coma. Um, So we walked through a, a really difficult thing for about 48 days before Blake was able to come home from the hospital. And um, we also walked through a really miraculous thing at the same time where people from all over the country, all over the world, were really praying for Blake and just believing for a miracle. And we got it. And um, there are still hard parts of the story, but there's also so much glory in the story. So um, Blake is still with us. Blake is now 11 years old. He's a fifth grader and um, he's playing golf. So that kind of gives you an indication of how he's doing. Um, And and that's kind of a a brief synopsis of a big, big story. Yeah, it's it's huge. And he is beautiful. I love seeing his pictures. (laughs) Your kids are all beautiful, but thank you. It's it's interesting, not interesting, terrible word, word choice. It is amazing to me when we're walking in those times, like your testimony is almost from the very beginning, God said, spoke into that space, like mm-hmm. in the place where you were the most, um, I'm sure, panicked and confused and scared. Mm-hmm. And God spoke in essence into that space saying, look at what you're seeing down below and understand that, you know, we're about to walk into something big, but it won't always feel big. Yeah. Yeah. I I think he's faithful to do that. Yeah, he is. He is like, I remember, I mean, I have not that nearly that big of a story, but um, with, I mean, we've talked about it with one of mine and, you know, being told at the pediatrician, I needed to rush him straight to the children's hospital that they thought it was leukemia and Hmm. remember being so confused. And so like, I don't even know how to interpret this information (laughs) and wanting to panic and freak. (laughs) And, you know, and the, you know, the enemy was right there in that mix too. I think that's the thing sometimes we don't talk about is the enemy for me was right there whispering, you are all alone. You can't even get your husband on a phone because I couldn't. I didn't, you know, for my story, my husband, what he does, he was unavailable that day. And you're all alone. This is going to be the worst thing you've ever experienced. You're going to lose all that you've ever imagined. Like just 
so much like this wave of terror almost. And yet God, the Holy spirit whispering to wait, you know, it was almost like that. I almost heard like a, no, wait, kind of voice. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, even before the helicopter ride, when I first arrived at the emergency room and needed to sit down and kind of give Blake's details and sign him in, there was a yellow post-it note on the pencil cup of the receptionist who was signing me in. And it was from James, James one. And it said, my brethren, consider it all joy when you fall into various trials. And that was like the first thing that greeted me in the emergency room. And, and my immediate response was to say, but Lord, what trial is this? What trial have I just fallen into? What did I fall into? I'm with this kid tomorrow. Everything needs to be okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yet God was right there. Mm -hmm. And I know that you, you coded over the story, but God was faithful every step of the way with y'all. Yeah staff nursing staff and other staff that were his light and like the physical hands and and feet of Jesus in a lot of ways and yeah we decided to have um worship music kind of constantly playing in his room in the ICU and would often hear the nurses just singing along and at times we were able to have like a Ronald McDonald room because we didn't live in the town where the um hospital is and so um we would go and get some sleep in the night and some of the nurses would just say don't worry I'm here and I'm just going to be praying and singing over him all night mm-hmm. I'm going to be here and I mean to be able to go to sleep at night it, it was the it was the Lord that we even could sleep at night but mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things we experienced was um knowing that we were being prayed for and knowing um, that it, it was supernatural that we were able to get out of bed every morning and continue to love each of our kids. We would take turns with who was at the hospital and who was at home with the other kids and um, to show up for everyone that we made it without a breakdown is, is nothing short of just the answer to thousands of prayers and God's goodness, him being faithful and somebody that you can hold on to when it feels like everything's falling apart. Yeah. So you said, um, talking about everybody praying for you, did y'all do like a, um, a big prayer chain or how did you, who began to put that together for y'all? Um, two kind of amazing things came together at the same time. And one of them was that, On the day um, Blake first went into the hospital, within the first 24 hours, three separate people came to us and said, you need to hear this song. And the song was Raise a Hallelujah by Mm -hmm. the Helsers, Mm -hmm. Jonathan and Melissa. And um, we, I don't think that we had ever heard it before at that point, but one person texted it to Mark at one point and another person shared it with him. Then another person actually drove to my house where my mom was keeping my kids and was like, you need to hear this song and you need to share it with Mark and Caroline. And we listened to that song and um, some the lyrics to that song are just so powerful. 
But one of the things that it says is I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar Mm -hmm. up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The King is alive. Mm -hmm. And we, um, that song just spoke to our souls over and over again, over the course of our time in the hospital. And it would come on like when the neurosurgeon was coming, it would just happen to come on, happen to happen to come on. (laughs) Um, when the neurosurgeon was coming in to share news with us about what was happening or, or what had come back. And it just was a way of God saying, I'm watching, I'm with you. Um, and another one of those powerful lyrics is heaven comes to fight for me. So mm-hmm. I just, I just, we believed for that. And so we asked people specifically, will you please sing this song, worship the Lord and believe that your worship is unleashing things in the heavenlies, that it's, it's like the worship of a warrior praying over this kid, telling God, we believe you're good. And we believe you can do anything. And we're asking you to save his life. So we held on to that. And really from the first moment in the ER, I can remember Mark looking me at, looking at me and saying, we need to ask people to pray. Yeah. And, and we got on Facebook like immediately and shared, we, we need everybody, please pray. We don't know what's going on. Our eight-year-old son, um, we don't even know, huge headache. When we knew nothing, we were already asking people to pray. And in the weeks that followed, um, and this, this kind of leads into a separate part of the testimony, really, but in the weeks that followed, every day, often twice a day, I would give an update on Facebook and Instagram and just say, this is what's happening with Blake. Will you please pray for this? This is what's happening with Blake. Will you please pray for this? And um, what was glorious was that we would, we would ask for specific things, especially when he got um, into rehab, but all through the journey, we would ask today, we're just praying that he will be able to move his left arm because when he first woke up, he was neglecting his left side and we just, we, we were concerned that mm-hmm. he was not going to be able to use it. Um, and so we would pray that he'd be able to move his left arm and he'd start to move it. And then we'd say, oh, well, we need to pray. Will you pray that he can move his left hand, you know, <laughs> and then the next day that would happen. And then will you pray that he can move his fingers, you know? So it, yeah. it was like, we would we would get specific and we would just see, and it was a joy to ask people to pray for something and then to get on the next day and say, your prayers were answered. And yeah, those, uh, we were constantly watching his intracranial pressure and, um, we would be praying. It needs to stay under this number or else they're going to have to do this and that needs to be, you know, and so we would be saying, I don't even know what these letters mean, but please pray that his ICP is da, 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 da. And please, you know, all these things. Um, and God just kept showing up faithfully, um, in, in ways that we never expected. We, we didn't feel like we deserved, but we were just so, so grateful. Yeah. I mean, don't you think though that by being honest and by saying, you know, Mark's from the very beginning going, we have to have people praying for us, mm-hmm. you know, so often I, I think, women, uh, not women, people are a little bit 
oh, I don't want to, until I have all the answers, until I know exactly, maybe I shouldn't ask people to pray, but instead going, no, 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 no. I need everybody praying from the very beginning. Yeah. And then they all got to experience the miracle. It was their miracle too. Yes. Yes. That was incredible to see. Um, I mean, I have people I see now all these, I mean, it's been, it was 2019. So it's been quite a while. It's 2022 now. And I'll bump into someone who'll say, you know, I still pray for Blake every night before bed. And I'm like, thank you. I don't, I'm, I'm going to try not to cry right now. Thank you. Um, it just, yeah, it, it's humbling. And I think it requires vulnerability for us to invite people into our story. Yes. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I hoped we would get to talk about and communicate was the idea that um, it requires a lot of us. It requires a lot of our hearts for us to trust God, um, not just with our own story, but with our kids' stories. Mm-hmm. And um, when he was in the hospital, one of the scriptures that really anchored me was from Psalm 84, verse 11, which says, the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And I held on to that verse and I was trusting in that promise, but it, it was hard to look at the situation and to see my son in a coma and to not know if he was going to wake up and to not know who was going to wake up, if he was going to be what he was going to be like when he woke up. Um, and to say, Lord, how, how does, how, do, how do I reconcile this reality with the truth of your word that you don't withhold good things from us? Mm-hmm. And how is this good? But one of the, the answers that I discovered over the course of the journey was that we progressed through those 48 days in the hospital and we shared and shared and shared about what was going on and just continued to declare that we were going to trust God, even when things looked, I mean, we had some very dark nights of the soul where the diagnosis was terrible, where we didn't know if he was going to make it, um, if he was going to be able to see, if he was going to be able to walk. And um, in, in those very heavy moments, we decided we don't have anywhere else to go. Like the disciples said to yeah. Jesus in John six, when he starts teaching yeah. stuff and people don't like it. And they're kind of like, oh, I think we're going to take off. And then he turns to the disciples and says, how about you guys? Where are you headed? You going to go somewhere? And Peter's like, where are we going to go? You, hold. you, yeah. you have the keys to life. And we've come to believe you're the Messiah. So it, it really puts you on the spot to be willing to put yourself in a place where you're walking out something like that in front of people and people like to watch train wrecks, you know, like people, Mm -hmm. I feel like some people were watching and engaged and want to pray, but some people, I think it just is like a soap opera. What's going to happen next. I want to know, you know? Um, So we put ourselves in this position where we're saying we're trusting Jesus, no matter what, now we're actually going to have to do it. We're going to have to trust him no matter what. But what it led to when the connection with Psalm 8411, what it led to was um, 
probably a full year after Blake got out of the hospital, um, I send out a weekly email, you know, and in the email, I was talking about how God allows us to go through hard things, but sometimes I think it's because it is for someone else. And, um, I asked that question, what if Blake being in the hospital was really about somebody else coming to know the Lord mm-hmm. and someone who received my emails, I didn't even know her story, um, emailed me that afternoon, the most incredible email where she said, I want you to know that that was me. I want you to know that when you started sharing on Facebook about your son being in the hospital, my son was the same age. And I started asking questions and I started asking, do I really know the Lord? What would I do if I had to walk through this? And then because you shared about singing Raise a Hallelujah, I started listening to Christian radio. And then I decided maybe I'll get a devotional and start reading. And then I started reading the Bible and she just, she transitioned. This is all the Lord's goodness, really. She transitioned from, she had made a decision to follow Jesus as a child, but really was not in a relationship with the Lord at this point. And everything changed for her over the course of those few next few months after Blake was in the hospital. Mm. And she shared with me that then her mom was diagnosed with cancer. And I think the most beautiful part of the email was she said, but instead of looking down, I looked up, mm-hmm. you know, she's, she knew where to look. She knew who was going to be her help through that hard thing and praise the Lord. Her, her mom is well. And she walked her mom through um, months and months of chemotherapy And she helped her mom hold on to the Lord in that very hard place. So it's just such a privilege to see when you get a glimpse of the bigger narrative of what God can do if you trust him with your story and with your kid's story. Yes. um, That's hard because I like my kids a lot and I don't want anything bad to happen to them. But now as I look back on what Blake's walked through and how his life the whole course of his life has been set in a different direction, but I can't help but believe it's so good because what I've seen from it so far is so redemptive and so beautiful that we get to have the privilege of being a part of something like that in someone else's story. It's just, it's glorious. I can't think of another word for it. It's glorious. Yes. And I love what you said about the fact that it is hard Sometimes it's easier for me to trust my story to God mm-hmm. than my child's story. Yeah. Like, you know, and we'll say stuff like, Lord, well, let me be the one, you know, let me be the one to have to walk through that. Why can't it be me? But whether it's a sickness or um, we have one of our kids has, in essence, he had um, traumatic brain injury and it's been like four and a half, five years of walking through the ramifications of that and how has that had to change his life? Mm -hmm. And there were years in there where it's the same kind of thing. Lord, am I going to trust you with this? Because what I'm I'm frustrated. I don't understand why it has to happen like this. And it it wasn't nearly to the extent of what Blake walked through, but it was this whole um, calling from God in essence, going, Bethany, are you willing to lay it down? And let me write the story the way I see fit, which does look a little different than it would have had he not had to walk through the the TBI. I mean, Mm -hmm. his story looks a little different. 
I think, praise God, it's not like way off. I mean, it's not like he's, he's, you know, doing great, but it's different. Yeah. And having to anchor in the word and say, God, I want this. I want you to receive all the glory. I want this to echo back through the heavens of your goodness for my child's sake. And like you said, for other people's sake, but there is, I mean, for me in the times that I've had to face these kinds of seasons that are really hard, I've, that is the space where the Lord goes, are you going to, are you going to, are you going to release them? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think something that in the years that followed, I, I look, I process a lot of what's happening in my life. And I think I even begin to figure it out as I write about it. Um, I'm just like a, some people are visual processors and some, I don't know if it would be called being a scribble processor or what <laughs> I write something down and then I understand what I think about it. And I was really trying to process and I found, um, this, these scriptures that stood out to me in a new way from second Peter three verses eight and nine. And it says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. That's pretty familiar. I think probably for most of us, but then verse nine says the Lord is not slack. I really love that word choice. <laughs> the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I think something that that challenged me, there, there are kind of two elements to that that really spoke to my heart. And the one is verse eight, I feel like it's trying to remind us that um, God sees time differently than we do. And so we see time and we feel frustrated because maybe it's taking a long time for our kid to walk through something that we want them to be through already. We want it to be done. We want the potty training to be done or the um, nights when they're not sleeping to be over or whatever it is. Um, but God sees time differently than we do. And he has purposes that we can't fully understand. And then when you look at verse nine and you think about him holding on to his promise, he's saying, don't let the fact that you don't have what you're praying for right now make you think that I'm not going to keep my promise to you, but understand that your willingness to endure this with faithfulness could be paving the way for me to um, provide salvation to lots of other people, or it may be the thing that I'm lining up that's going to help your child find their way to me, mm. which is a, a privilege, but and it, almost a frightening thought because you think, gosh, Lord, I don't really know. I don't, I don't know what, what the narrative is that you have in mind for my child. So help me to be humble and help me to not try to grab the pen from you and write the story myself because I don't like the story you're writing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> help me to trust you instead because you do want everyone to come to repentance. You do want everyone to know you. And my willingness to sit in this hard place could be like the labor that's going to birth that in someone else's. Hmm. That's so true. That's so good, Caroline. Yeah. It, I think it takes a lot of trust. Um, I like to write 
and I, I like to hold the pen when I'm writing. Um, but when I look back on the story that God wrote, um, I actually spent time, and I really think this was a part of the Lord helping me um, scrabbly process all that I'd been through. With Blake, um, I spent several months working on a screenplay. You know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but one of the amazing things about the time that I spent working on this screenplay was that you can actually see a good story has certain elements in it that um, tick along through when you're watching a movie. If you begin to find out, you can look at a book like Save the Cat and it's going to kind of tell you you need this opening image and there's a theme that gets stated. And then you have this kind of save the cat moment, which makes you like the main character and want to root for them. And um, there are all these different elements to the story. There's a dark night of the soul, which is kind Mm -hmm. of like Christ on the cross. And um, as I began processing through our story to try to tell it in that format, um, every element was there Mm -hmm. and beautiful. And it was so wild to think, gosh, well, what would the B story have been? And I was like, oh, wow. The B story is this nurse that was there that had just come back to work. And she had lost her daughter in a very tragic way. Just months before she lost her daughter um, in a domestic violence situation. It was awful. And her first day back at work, she came and showed up for our family and loved on our family and shared um, beautiful songs with us to encourage us and prayed with us. One morning she prayed specifically after we'd received horrible news that made it sound like we were just in the worst place possible. It was our dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. We received horrible news and we called our families that night and said, we just think um, it's very likely that Blake's not going to come out of this. Um, like he was before, and he's probably going to be significantly impaired, Mm -hmm. significantly impaired was the best way we could put it. She was praying for our family that next morning that just something would happen, Mm -hmm. that God would do something. She said, Lord, if, if you could just, if he could just give the doctor a thumbs up. And at at that point, that didn't seem realistic. He had been in a coma you know, like that, just a thumbs up. That was a huge ask. Yeah. And the next morning, um, so she's praying that on the way to work that morning, just after our dark night of the soul that morning, Mark is there. I haven't gotten to the hospital yet. And, um, the neurosurgeon comes in and he's, he's got a skip in his step and his interpretation of the MRI that we had received the night before his interpretation was completely different. And the news was so much better than what we had been told the day before. And so that was one prayer answered hugely. Yeah. And then he says, we're just going to, let's just see. um, I'm going to pause the medication that's um, keeping Blake under. Uh, So he pauses it and then he takes, waits a moment. And then, I mean, not, doesn't wait very long at all. And then kind of shakes Blake's shoulder a little bit and says, Hey, Blakey, Hey, Blakey. And Blakey immediately lifts his right arm and <clears throat> naturally wants to extubate himself because he's intubated at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the neurosurgeon expecting that catches his right arm and is just kind of gently holding his right arm. He says, hey, Blakey, can you give me a thumbs up? And immediately 
Mm. Just as clear as day, he gives this huge thumbs up. And the nurse that I'm speaking of, this nurse practitioner was in the room at that moment. And she screamed, (laughs) (laughs) just amazed because it was exactly what she had prayed. And Mark just, (gasps) just gasped because none of us, none of us knew, is he in there? Is his brain working? Is he okay? And to see him do that immediately, purposeful movement, understanding the command was just huge. And that was the beginning of a new chapter in the story Mm -hmm. or a new scene in the movie. Um, But what all of that kind of what I'm trying to point to is the idea that God writes incredible stories. Mm-hmm. And if we're willing to trust him and walk through them with him, we have the privilege of being a part of his huge and amazing story. Um, and what a privilege it is. And how many times as I looked through it, trying to write just those pieces of it into the format of a screenplay, did I say, gosh, Lord, you're a great writer. (laughs) Lord, you just write the best stories. This is incredible. Look at this story that you wrote. This is unbelievable. How did you do that? You know, um, it's, it's nothing I ever could have come up with. And at the time, of course, it was very hard, but now looking back, I feel like it was such a gift, which is crazy to say my son was in the hospital for 48 days and it was a gift. Our family needed it. It was a gift. Um, which is just such an invitation to everybody listening that trust is a powerful thing mm-hmm. and, and God is worthy of us trusting him with our stories. He really is because he's good because he loves us. Yes. Yes, he does. I love you. <laughs> and I, I count, I counted a blessing that I get to call you my friend and um, sometimes sit with you in real life, sometimes sit with you on uh, over recordings like this, but I do, you're a treasure. I want you to share with everybody real fast, because I think women will want to find you. You're on Instagram mm-hmm. at, um, at Caroline Caroline. Holly mm-hmm. and on Facebook, but really you have a, um, you have a Bible study that is called 40 days deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say just a few words about your Bible study. Yeah. Um, it's called 40 days deeper perspective. I think there are going to be other 40 days deeper in the future, but this really a big part of the metaphor is based off of that helicopter ride Yeah, and the perspective that God wanted to help me see, um, in a really hard place. And the beautiful thing about that metaphor is it can speak to so many of the things that we walk through. And so I created this Bible study um, that guides people through. We're looking at about five key scriptures that we kind of cycle through week after week. And there's some different themes. Um, We look at seasons and how God can speak to us if we understand the metaphor of seasons in scripture. We look at suffering. We look at um, recognizing that While something seems one way, um, that's not necessarily the truth. And it's important for us to recognize that things aren't always what they seem. Mm -hmm. Um, So we walk through some different themes together. And each day during the week, people will read a scripture, the passage. And there's a devotional where I kind of unpack that passage. We sometimes look at what the words were in the original Greek or something like that. And just kind of 
ask questions about, well, what does that mean for our lives? How do we apply that to our lives? And then there's some ideas for questions to ponder or things to pray about. And then over the weekend, if, if you start on a Monday, then over the weekend, you get a little bit of a lighter workload, so to speak, and you get to just reflect, mm-hmm. um, maybe review things that you missed or catch up on things from the week and, or just kind of reflect on what God's been speaking to you about that before you hop into the next week and look at something new. So, um, I, yeah, that, that's that study. I love it. It's so good. And y'all, if anyone listening is just like, I just don't know what I should be doing next in the word, or I'm just in a struggle space, go and spend time with Caroline in this Bible study. That's really good. Um, It'll be in the show notes for all of y'all listening. It'll be, I'll have links to it and all that. But, um, you know, God is giving so much of his grace through you and through this story as you continue to share it. And as Blake continues to grow and, um, you know, I think the, the biggest thing for us is to understand that we're here to make him known, whether Mm. it's in our home with our kids or in bigger spaces, like God is giving you, you know, to speak about him. Yeah. Yeah. do it very well, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Y'all, y'all find you'll you'll find all of Caroline's links, all that stuff in the show notes. And thank you so much, Caroline, for today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me, and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.